0: Another episode of Setting the Tone, the our retrospective. Sure, we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. It's a Thursday, and Daniel. Hey,
1: <laughs> I, that's the. I, it's a
0: Thursday, and Daniel.
1: <laughs> I gotta say, it same syllables as salutations. I had to try it. <laughs>
0: You're not wrong. Uh, today we'll be discussing Season 9, Episode 12, which titled A Saint in the City. The episode aired on January sixteenth, two 2003. Lauren, what was going on the week? 20 years ago.
1: I'm sorry. I see Daniel's comment in here, and I know I'm in for a good time. Uh, after the Charlotte Hornets beat the... Mm -mm. fuck me after not even remotely close uh after the charlotte hornets basketball team packed up and moved to new orleans in 2002 the nba announces that charlotte north carolina will be will play host to a new basketball team the charlotte bobcats uh daniel you want to make my soul leave my body
2: well i i was so excited when i read this because i was like i i might be able to take lauren just into another dimension of leaving her body because I can untangle in under, let's say three minutes. I can, I can untangle 50 years, maybe worth of professional basketball history here going back. So, If we go back to the 1970s, there was a team called the New Orleans Jazz, and they played in, as you might imagine, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, At the end of the 70s, they pack up and they move to Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places, and that is how we are uh, given the wonderfully misnamed, uh, misappropriated Utah Jazz today. That leaves New Orleans without a team. Uh, Late 80s come along. Uh, NBA is undergoing massive growth. They are expanding wildly. uh, And they add four teams, I think, in the space of five years. Uh, One of those teams being uh, the Charlotte Hornets, who are, if you ever picked up a starter jacket in the 90s, you know that the Charlotte Hornets were one of the more popular additions in that group. Um, They always played relatively well. They were a likable team. Fun uniforms, like, cool fan atmosphere, whatever.
0: Mugsy Bogues. Muggsy
2: Bogues, short guy. Jake's favorite player to this day, despite not being able to pull him out of a police lineup. Um, they, <laughs> so the, the Hornets get sold to a uh, local businessman. Uh, I believe his name is George Shin. He is a fucking asshole. Uh, he's just openly hostile to the fans and just, like, really hates them. And so they kind of stop coming and, like, attendance gets bad. And so by the late uh, 90s into the early 2000s, situation's pretty fucking dire. He announces that he is moving the team from New or- uh, from Charlotte to New Orleans, where they will become the New Orleans Hornets. So now Charlotte is without a team. Uh, in New Orleans now... Where we are in present timeline here, 2002, 2003. uh, They're the New Orleans Hornets. A couple years after this, as you might imagine, as you might remember, a little hurricane comes along, uh, Hurricane Katrina, and uh, fucks up a lot of shit down in New Orleans. Uh, And one of the things it fucks up is the arena that the Hornets played in. Uh, and so they were temporarily displaced as were a lot of the pro sports teams at that time they were displaced from new orleans and they they went to a little little place in oklahoma called oklahoma city for a year and became the oklahoma city hornets for a very brief time oh. um and this little experiment that they, they after they repaired the arena they went back to new orleans this little experiment gave the nba the idea of ooh we should put a team in oklahoma city personally, uh, pr- uh, permanently which is how we end up with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the cost of the city of Seattle, which loses the Seattle Supersonics, still to this day without a team. Fucking travesty. Um, But that's how we end up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. New Orleans, (laughs) at some point in the, uh, I want to say early 2010s, decides that they want to rebrand themselves as the New Orleans Pelicans, still a stupid fucking name, and the city of Charlotte, as the Bobcats are the world's most forgettable fucking dumpster fire franchise. They their only claim to so the the only claim to fame of the Charlotte Bobcats. So named, by the way, because they were founded and owned by a guy named Bob, who was the owner of BET, oh. the the TV channel.
0: Bobcats.
2: He named the team the Bobcats because his name was Bob. And uh, so they have no indelible mark in the history of professional basketball other than uh, they had the single worst season. They lost the most games of any team ever for any season. I think they went seven and fifty nine. It was a short shortened season that year. Um, They went seven and fifty nine and. They have been completely forgotten, completely erased from history. So when the New Orleans uh, Hornets rebranded themselves as the New Orleans Pelicans, stupid though that name may be, that freed up the Charlotte Hornets moniker to once again reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. In and of itself, kind of a forgettable city, especially if you ask Jake. Uh, but that's how we round about from 1980-whatever all the way back to today. Charlotte Hornets were once—like, if you, if you were if you were— like alive and conscious in 1988 fell into a coma and woke up in 2023 you would never know that anything had happened to the charlotte Hornets. there's this whole period of their history that is just completely lost to time because they were there when you went into the coma and they were there when you came out you okay lord you still with us like do we need a little smelling salts a little a little something? no you're
1: good your three minute timer went off about a minute and a half ago that's all well you know you did great you did great. That could have been much worse. Thank you. Uh, Just Married, the rom-com starring Ashton Kutcher and Brittany Murphy, debuts and narrowly takes the number one spot at the box office. And Lose Yourself by Eminem is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on?
2: Uh, quick plug for go-watch the Brittany Murphy uh, documentary on HBO. It's real fucked up and weird, and s- something bad happened to that girl, but... Oh, it's It's a it's a wild ride. Uh, what else was on? Whole lot of unfortunate episode titles tonight, gang. I really do apologize, and I'm going to editorialize them as I go. Uh, 8 p.m. Friends with the episode, the one with Phoebe's rats. At 8:30, Scrubs with my philosophy. At nine, Will and Grace with part one of a four-part episode that I am not going to pronounce. Uh, I will just give the subtitle, uh, which is Gay It Forward. Uh, you can look it up for yourself and figure out why I don't really feel comfortable saying that one. Uh, I don't feel any more comfortable saying the uh, episode title for uh, Good Morning Miami's mm. entry here at 9.30 uh, with me so tourney. I really, really, mm. truly, truly wish I was dead. Uh, and uh, viewers, <laughs> 21.8 million uh, tuning in, directed by Peggy uh, Rajki. Ra- 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 We'll go with Uh She is doing her first of only two uh, as a director. Uh, she is better known as a producer uh, on stuff like Home for the Holidays, The Grifters, and the 1994 short film for which she won an Oscar, uh, Trevor, which is the titular project that inspired The Trevor Project. So, oh. turns out The Trevor Project as a whole is an ER movie. Who knew? Um. <laughs> and uh written by written by bruce miller doing his second out of four and last time we saw him was earlier this season with one can only hope uh and uh we have an alternate lengthened title for this week's episode uh it's basically the same just a few words longer instead of a saint in the city it was originally titled it's hard to be a saint in the city can't really argue with uh, the logic on uh, shortening that up uh and no chen this week
0: and you know what else is in the hour movie daniel what's that Oppenheimer. Well, uh, so we're gonna make you. Wa- we need to make you oh, watch I it. Want, obviously, I definitely
2: want to watch Oppenheimer. I just, I, I was having a conversation with somebody at work today about uh, the Barbenheimer uh, phenomenon, and I want to see both of those movies. The biggest uh, problem with that is I don't want to go to the movies. So, uh, fair. You know, soon as they, as soon late. as they Listen. come to streaming, I'll be all over it.
1: Lizzie, I'm sure we're going to discuss this more in our lounge that's going to come out before this episode does. But...
0: Patreon.com slash Podcast.
1: But show your work. Is it just David Krummeltz?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Oh, I w- well, it's still it t- t- I still was, counts. I was told uh, Scott Grimes is in it, too.
0: Um...
1: I did not see him.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't see it either. So I, I heard, heard the same told thing Scott Scott you did,
1: but, but now you've got me curious while we... Hit up that I
0: M D B as I hit up this episode. (laughs) right a previous Leon is brought to us by Susan and Pratt's trying to get Leon some work. Leon is still in a cast and gets it off in a few weeks. Uh less said about that the better. Hmm. Uh Jessica we get our first patient of the episode, Jesse Callahan, thirty five years old, got T boned. Ow. Uh her husband Tom is still being cut out of the car. Yikes.
1: Uh and Jesus here we go. Uh Carrie asks if they're ready for the alderman as he's brought in. Uh this can only go well.
2: Yeah. Uh it first of all, a uh, logistical question, is is the alder is all the position of alderman? Is that a Illinois thing or is that strictly a Chicago
0: thing? That's strictly a Chicago thing. That's basically our city council. Gotcha. Okay.
2: It's one of those things that like I was I was talking actually to Jen about this earlier tonight because we were talking about this storyline, and she was like, what's an alderman? And I was like, I think it's a local government thing in at least yeah, Chicago. It's but-
0: basically, we have like 50, I think we, if it's either 50 or somewhere in the 50s, number amount of like different little wards, as they're known, just little sections of the city, and then they all elect someone to... Represent them in the city, and they pass the do they do the they do the law making Do the, do the law thing, and sometimes they're entirely pointless, like renaming Lakeshore Drive.
2: There you go. Well, the alderman here is uh, Alderman Bright, is uh, played by actor Bruce Whites, who appears in stuff like Hill Street Blues, Half Past Dead, and another canonical ER movie, uh, one that we have actually done a movie review for, uh, Deep Impact, uh, where he's also paired up with uh, uh, Carrie for. Isn't he like? Doesn't he? Isn't he the news guy with her? Like he's the news director. Yeah, I think he's and she's one of the anchors. Something or she's one of the reporters. Um, but he has 109 credits to his name, and he is making his first of four appearances as the alderman.
1: I'm sorry, I just found out who uh, Scott Grimes was in an Oppenheimer, and I need photographic proof. But anyway, um, <laughs> so
0: he is in it. The though. who was he?
1: He was. He was a very my, Lizzie. We'll talk about it Sunday. But he okay. was. He was. It looks like one of the. Uh, counselors in the tiny room.
0: Oh, so okay. So we'll,
1: we'll double check that in a second. But anyway. I need
0: photographic evidence.
1: Yes, I'm working on it. But first off, uh, Mr. Bright's assistant is hovering and using her cell phone. And Carrie's like, you can't do that. Use one of ours, nine outside line. Great, cool. Um, Susan asks if he's been drinking. And Carrie immediately goes, you don't have to answer that. Which is a sign of things to come and how far up his ass she's going to be. Um and the lights go out right after Carrie says that this he is at the finest hospital in <laughs> Chicago.
0: Cool. And cool. right on cue.
2: And uh the and assistant the- um Oh Al- yes, Alderman's uh, Alderman Bright's assistant here, uh who I really only mentioned because she's going to make two appearances, uh but she is played by actress Rachel Shapiro who is notable herself for this being her only acting credit is uh playing Alderman Bright's assistant here, which makes me think that she okay, was, makes me think that she was somebody's daughter or somebody's niece, like that she got this job and didn't pursue acting further.
1: <sighs> and then we go in with Bangs and we see Carrie is trying to rush um jesse callahan out of the trauma room so they can get jonathan in because of course and she also calls engineering to yell at them and she goes does anyone have a carrier pigeon which i very much appreciated because of course the phones are in and out um we learn leon is working tonight after he picks up his uniform and pratt looks a little concerned at the idea of him going and getting his uniform by himself and starting work right away at night
0: it's a whole thing Uh, We go back to Jonathan, and I would like to point out there are so many, like, cameras and, like, news crews, like, coming in, like, with the alderman. Apparently, he has a history of some sort of substance use, or something's going on. It will have you know, in the year of our Lord, 2023... (laughs) People do not care nearly as much. I was gonna say the only time the only time you get stuff like this is when someone's like indicted, which has ha- happened to an unfortunate amount of uh, Illinois politicians. So especially especially aldermen. So yeah, but a journalist pretends to be a nurse. to Be like, oh yeah, we need to see a tox train. Was it cocaine, alderman? I have a right to be here. This is the press. Just the most obnoxious reporter you'll ever see in your entire life. And Susan says, can, Jerry, can you try to keep out the fake nurses? And Jerry just just grunts back so many rules to remember. Yeah, So good. A plus work from Jerry this episode. I feel like
2: uh, one of the biggest suspension of disbelief things in this episode is really just the level of engagement in local politics like from the average like news you know like i get that there is a little bit of a salacious angle to it but like really it was just like like you said i don't buy that people would care enough for there to be this like gigantic throng of reporters following around uh as you said one of like 50 of these people like there's there's ostensibly 49 other guys that are equally as powerful as this guy it's like, like okay.
1: I'm trying I'm trying to picture somebody doing this to like our alderman here Angela Clay. I'm like there's no way anybody
2: would give a shit.
0: Unless she is like walking out of a courthouse because she was brought up on bribery charges or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like if
2: there was some kind of like legitimately, you know, like you said a, a an indictment or something maybe, but like it's just come on. It's so your average city council person, even in a big city like Chicago. Like here, we have like at the theater I work at, like we have city council people that come in and out all the time, and like most of the time we don't even know that they're there until after they're gone, like because they're mm-hmm. just yeah. people. Like you know, Laura Innes managed to make it into my work unnoticed. Like it was you know, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like it's just
1: also I still admire your self control because we know I would have I would have probably fucked
2: that up. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we go from there. Uh, we see Luca coming in, uh, checking to see how busy it is. Uh, this is where the husband is finally brought in from that MVA earlier, Tom. Um, he is played by actor James Colby, who appeared in stuff like Safe, Patriot's Day, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, and unfortunately, he did pass away in 2018. So, no longer with us. Couldn't find a cause of death on him, though, because he was kind of young. Uh, it, it just mm. said that... Uh, he,
0: was it cocaine? It, wow. Was it cocaine, it, it, Alderman? It just what? it
2: just said that he was in his 50s and that it was sudden. So, that could mean a lot of things. Um, but uh from there we see uh Carter uh is headed out to give a check at some symp- sympathy fundraiser, Sym- symphony fundraiser. I can't remember can't remember some what. Some simp fundraisers. <laughs> I guess all fundraisers are sympathy fundraisers. But uh he's <laughs> Uh, he's going to be in his best, like, uh, rich boy Carter outfit this episode. Yeah. Um, Abby is rushing to get out and uh, come with him. Uh, Chuni whistles at him. And uh, is it... Who <gasps> who are saying... Who is this, is, this,
1: is, this is Carter, who goes, that's sexual harassment, isn't it? And Chuni's like, you bet. And he goes, I'm going to circulate a petition, which is a bit of a throwback to the shit with Luca.
0: It is. It's just, I think... Sh- She's just having fun. Oh with no, him. she
1: absolutely is. I'm saying how he reacts to it. Yeah,
0: because good lord, can you ever imagine Carter and Shuni? No. Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: no. <laughs> absolutely not. But then again, she I, would have. I can't she imagine put Carter him right, with most people.
1: But she would have put him right real fast. I'm just saying that right now, like. All the complaints people are going to have about Kem, they'd have it about Chuny tenfold, because Chuny wouldn't put up with any of that shit.
0: She would put him right in the dumpster where he belongs. <laughs> oh!
2: oh! Uh, but then we see uh, the assistant, uh, Dr. McNulty's assistant from last episode, popping in, uh, coming to talk with Carter about. Uh, remember, at the, towards the end of last episode, like he was like, oh, he needs to come back. His diabetes is out of control. Yada, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. She's worried about his diabetes. He won't uh, won't leave the clinic to uh, get his own health checked out. And so she wants Carter to come down and talk to him because he won't listen to her. Uh, and Carter gets uh, pulled away suddenly uh, because uh, Jesse, the original patient from beginning the episode, she crashed in CT.
0: And Susan and Pratt are looking at a patient Carter handed off. A car is like, oh yeah, it'll be an easy dispo. Everything's it's fine. What's the flu? This woman looks like death on a stick. Like <laughs> holy shit!
1: Shit on a shingle. She,
0: she, yeah, she very much has pneumonia. They need to call the ICU. Her kids ask if they're giving her cough medicine, and Pratt offers them some soda because he wants to shut the kids up, obviously. Uh, Son says that they should call their older brother Doug, but the sister says no, and the mom is very much agitated at this fact uh, because their husband died last year. And Doug is something of a public menace in her (laughs) eyes. Oh, yes. And the mother here,
2: Mrs. Hawks, she is played by actress Janetta Arnett, who appeared in stuff like Boys Don't Cry, Pineapple Express, and Pay It Forward.
1: Also, I want to note that she, um, when they ask who she can call, obviously she says not Doug, but she has an Aunt Sarah in Detroit. So she doesn't want Doug near the kids, but she wants Aunt Sarah. Also, to the STT crew, I did send a picture of Scott Grimes in that movie to the group chat. While while you're looking at that and being odd, I'm going to go on to say Pratt gets called over to help Carter with Jesse. And no. Yep. Yeah, he is. He is. He does get called in. Um, There's going to be
0: speaking lines, though, right? I
1: don't know. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you because neither of us realized he was in it. Um, But Tom is crashing in the trauma room asking for his wife. And they're doing a chest tube to him while he's awake, oh. which I know is a common thing, but it still makes me want to die every time I
0: see it. Uh. I I would like to point out that this is something that I actually really like, that Grey's Anatomy does a lot better than ER. Grey's Anatomy is like, no, chest tubes fucking hurt. Like, they're one of the most painful things you can have to do to you do while you're awake, because you can only get really s- so deep with the actual like local. local anesthetic, so like you're just jabbing a tube into someone's lung,
1: chest cavity,
0: relatively un. Yeah, they really do. Uh, they yeah. they really do linger. Relatively un sedated. They really do linger on that shot
2: too of Gallant like pushing the tube in. Like it's you can really feel the like pressure he's putting on that as mm. it goes in. Uh, huh.
1: And then uh, Romano shows up to drag Tom upstairs where the good drugs are because he's bleeding internally and they got to get him fixed up fast. He really wants to see Jesse, his wife, first. And Carter is working on Jesse in the room next door. We learn that she's brain dead and her heart is barely beating. Not great. Tom's trying to look in through the doors and um, Gallant asks if they can bring him in. Lucas says he'll tell Tom what's going on, so they're gonna let Tom come in and see Jesse. That'll be fine. Um, there's this weird moment of eye contact between Carter and Abby, where like they're just looking at each other from through the hallway, and there's like some meaningful glances, and it's just bizarre. Yeah, and then I did, uh,
2: I did not like right? that. Right? I did not like that because it, it was, It's. It, <laughs> I don't know. It. It. It's it sort of. I think it's supposed to be this like poignant moment of like, oh, he came out of this like really sad, chaotic situation or whatever. And, like, and she's, she's there. there, and it's, like, this peaceful thing, and, like, she's blissfully unaware. It just kind of makes, like, I feel like if anybody would get what is happening right now, it would be Abby, because she's a nurse in the ER. She's used to all of this shit. But yet he still looks at her as just, like, uh, like I don't know. I, Didn't like it.
1: Glad it's not just me. Uh, but then Susan tells Carrie that they need to talk about the alderman because she found a sore on his penis, and she thinks it's syphilis. And Carrie says Susan should not handle it, and that Carrie will. Cool.
0: Nothing bad will ever happen. Nope. With that.
2: So re- remind uh,
0: me. Remind me. Uh,
2: what exactly was the chief complaint for why the alderman was brought in in the first place? Is that ever established? He like,
0: uh, he felt he fell and hurt his knee or something like that. So, uh, believe, so he f- right he line. fell
2: and hurt his knee. Yeah. So Susan looked at his penis. Like what was the? <laughs> I think there was is he something. Just, is it just that you know? <laughs> there was is it some that. Of it. Is he hanging? Is he swinging that low that she was examining his knee and his penis fell out? Like,
1: no. I think they did give some hand wavy reason why, like, um, if she was like checking to make sure he hadn't hurt his hip or something. I don't know. They had, yeah. they had said something about like, oh, while well, I was checking, blah blah blah. But yes, you're right. His his initial complaint was he fell off a stage and banged his knee or something like that. So. Okay. You are right, Daniel. You get the loophole award for the episode. Why the fuck was she looking at his penis? We're gonna have I mean, it, we're gonna have at least two listeners in the Discord come back and be like, "You perverts!" She said, "Why?"
2: Here's what it is, and I welcome it.
0: It makes sense that she would do a, a full exam on, on an older person who fell. Uh, Luca explains Jesse's status to Tom. Uh, this man, uh, this man is, yeah, is just not not accepting that his wife is dead. Uh, she, he keeps saying she's gone. You're putting yourself in danger. And Romano waves at Luca to come to the hall and tells Tom to get up. To get, tells him to get up and tells him to get Tom upstairs in ten minutes or he'll take out Luca's spleen. <laughs> Love it.
2: And then we go back to uh, Alderman and uh, Carrie schmoozing about the needs of the ER, and uh, this is where we get like peak corporate Romano too, where he shows up and is like you know oh why can't we find a private room for you and blah 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 blah, whatever it is basically just like I will (laughs) he he does his glad handing with uh, the alderman and then on his way out tells Carrie like find him a a private room because he doesn't want him down here with the common people Uh, and uh, as he leaves the alderman tells Carrie that he was on the committee that hired that man and when I heard about his arm uh, a lot of people downtown wish it had been his head which you know I love that line. Which somebody in the IMDb, tri- IMDb trivia section pointed out that uh, that might be a, a slight callback uh, because also um, uh, this actor who's playing the alderman, he also appeared in X-Files. I don't think it was the exact same episode, but he did appear in an episode of X-Files, as did Paul McCrane, uh, where he plays a paramedic who loses his head <laughs> and is able to regrow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh Leonard Betts, great episode. Uh but uh in any event, Carrie uh Carrie asked for the assistant uh Alderman's assistant to step out of the room so that she can talk to him about his old, you know his old penis sore. Uh does she <laughs> that was just for you, Lauren. I'm uh, sorry,
1: but it rough. <laughs> My-
2: <laughs> no I- Laura needs a moment to my collect brain,
1: herself. My brain, no, my my brain thought you said Venusaur, like the Pokemon, and I was no, very was, confused. That was that
2: was the rejected fourth evolution, Venusaur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she
0: uh, be a very different kind of Solar Beam. That sh- this would
2: thought that would. She use. tells him that uh, you know, well, they they're already the blood test has already been sent out, and that. Uh, you know assuming it comes back positive they have to report it to the health department but don't worry because it's confidential and he says he reminds her that well no actually you know I'm a public figure he has a very like like business dude voice like I don't know I can't really describe this guy's cadence but it is very like unique to this actor Um, Mm -hmm. but he's like yeah I'm a public figure I have to release my medical records every time I run you know every time there's an election so he really wants to do the best he can to uh, keep this out of his health records because he doesn't want that out there in the world and tries to get Carrie to cover for him, do his dirty work for him.
0: All right, then we go back over to Death on a Stick Ladies. Uh, her son, Doug, has shown up to check on his mom and siblings, and look who it is! There's two
3: in the house! <laughs> Bitch, little bitch. I made you my bitch, Jesse. Bitch, bitch. Yeah, bitch, <laughs>
1: Jesse. Bitch. <laughs> Daniel has clearly never seen I'm, the thing I'm that never, that's from. I have never seen the that, amount of, that before. Now, the amount of times Lizzie has made me listen to it is I'm sorry. close to infinite.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a silly little video that someone made. I mean, someone made a music video out of sound clips from different seasons of. Uh, whatchamacallit, of Breaking Bad, and this, that's from the one from seasons 3 through 5. Well, there
2: you go. That's the the, the best one, obviously. Uh, so yeah, don't need any further introduction than that, I suppose. Uh, Doug, of course, is played <laughs> by actor Aaron Paul, basically playing a, like, Prometheus-level uh Yeah, proto-Jesse proto. Proto- Pinkman in this episode yep. um and he is best known for appearing in stuff like need for speed remember that movie uh the oh, last house on the left uh remake from 2009 uh and uh yes one jesse tiberius pinkman on uh the tv series breaking bad and the you know movie
0: el camino which is great uh has he I like dad was like do not perspire el camino el camino we love. No, el camino i, lo- I love i love you know
2: i'm still on a mission to this day to get jake to watch el camino still won't um but uh, has he appear? He hasn't made any appearances on Better Call Saul, has he? Uh
1: I don't think he did. No, he might have made
2: one.
0: I don't. Know, I didn't. Can I spoil the last? Because no, I have not. Can spoil the last season no, of Better Call Saul. I don't no, want to spoil anything. I haven't watched it, so then then we're not going to say anything. <laughs> but yes, uh, other than
1: watch it, it's very good.
0: Yeah. No, I
2: I want yeah. to. It's just not on you know a streaming platform right now. But uh Aaron Paul. Netflix. Excellent uh they don't have the most they don't have the late the last season yet, I don't think, on Netflix. They have like No, I'm just saying like Netflix like shake shake fist. Uh, but yes, Aaron Paul here, uh, doing just his best Jesse Pinkman impression just has like a little bit more face jewelry than he would have, uh, mm-hmm. in just a few years yeah. as Jesse Pinkman. But other than that, he's, bi- and he doesn't go around saying bitch all the time, but other than that, he's basically the That's exact true. same character.
0: And this guy has a little less hair than Mr. Pinkman, but they uh the mom is not thrilled Aspy's he's high. Her sister wants him to stay. They sit around. Uh. He's like, oh, yeah, they sit around and watch you get drunk. Just Burn. Try- shooting back at his mom. Uh, and then uh, the mom hacks up blood onto the young son's shirt. Not onto Doug's shirt, but just coughs and bleh. It's
1: always on right a on white th- shirt. I'm sorry? It's always on a white shirt. Yeah, of course. Maxim- it's like maximum. When, it's
0: like when wrestling, whenever you, know, you have a match that's potentially going to be bloody. They always, have, they always wear white trunks. That's very true uh Susan scoosin susan scolds plat that's staying in isn't it mm-hmm.
1: no it's up to i can't say no i'm not the one who edits it but
0: <laughs> oh daniel anyway susan scolds pratt for not listening to the mom huzzah i did it
1: good job you got there uh this this was weird for me to type, and it's going to be weirder for me to say, Carrie tells Jerry uh, <laughs> to get the alderman's labs canceled. Thank you for the giggle. And get the labs canceled. says they were mislabeled. Bullshit. Um, we learned the ICU is full for Mrs. Hawks, pneumonia mom, shit on a stick lady. And we learned the aunt is 69. Nice. nice. With MS and can't take care of the Not kids. Not nice.
2: Well, no. <laughs> I mean, it's nice for her that she made it to 69. Good for her. Like, you know. But the
1: MS but part, nice yeah.
0: She's with, yeah, the MS well, part yeah, is not that, nice. That part's not nice, but, you know,
1: let us have it. But, uh, yeah, so she she can't take care of the kids because she can barely feed herself, it turns out, at this age. Um, and Susan asks to talk to Doug, and he asks, like, they're out in the ambulance bay, and he asks if he inadvertently killed the mom with stress by just by being there. And Susan's like, well, the kids need a place to stay tonight. You know, they need a place to stay. Is there anywhere they can stay? And Pratt comes out and goes, is there anyone else who can take care of the kids? Like, they're really trying to be like, dude, step up. And he goes, there's nobody. Can I
2: nobody. can I just say from a logistical standpoint how strange it is to, to be reading Doug in the notes over and over and over again and, and yes. not have it yes. refer to Clooney? Like, was just- 100%. I know it's it I know it's been a while. Time. I know it's been a while and it shouldn't bother me, but like it still was no, like it, weird
0: for me.
1: Not not at all.
0: Well Luca's continuing to push Tom to go to the OR. Tom says he won't leave Jesse's, so Jesse flatlines right on cue. Uh Lauren is very proud that she called Luca pulling the lead so Tom will go upstairs.
1: I was like, "Oh, he did it. That's sneaky." Yeah. And then I didn't feel as proud of myself once they made it blatantly yeah. obvious him sticking it back on.
0: And then Malik wheels Tom out, and Luca reattaches the lead. Still brain dead, but you know her heart's beating. So the the only problem that I have with
2: this, the only, only. the only problem that I have with this is Luca uh, actually pronouncing her dead. Like he right? he calls time of death and everything, and like does the the he goes through the whole rigmarole. I feel like dude would have bought it if he'd have just verbally told her, told him like, oh, you know, you see flatline, she's gone, you know, sucks. You better go upstairs and like get your fucking surgery now. Like he, he could have just done that and not done the whole, you know, spiel of like actually declaring. Cause that's kind of, I think what gets him in trouble. I don't think anybody really yeah. cares that much that like the lead fell off for a second. Like that happens all the time. Like it just, I just, you know, I get where he's coming from. Like he's trying to convince this guy to go. Cause otherwise it's going to mean that he dies too. But it's, just, yep. it was just like, just, you know, just do a little bit of performance. Just, you don't have to like actually commit a little bit of light medical fraud here. <laughs> like you don't have to, you don't have to lie and declare her dead. You could just like let the lead fall off and then let nature take its course. As far as this guy's concerned, like he's a, a lay person and he's a, probably an altered lay person at that. He's been in an accident. He's fucked up. He got hit in the head. Like I don't know, <laughs> but in any event, we'll we'll find out more about uh, Luca's Luca's little performance here in just a bit. Uh, Chuni is uh, telling Carrie that the alderman is positive for syphilis, and Carrie uh, is you know pissed that the the sample made it through because she told Jerry about the labs, and she asks why Jesse is still there if she was pronounced an hour ago, and Pratt says that she still got a rhythm, so. Luca might be in a bit of trouble. Uh, we find out paramedics are pulling up with a kid who fell. Uh, and uh, this is where Luca uh, admits to carry kind of what he did and the whole spiel and everything. And like, again, just if you'd have just not done that, Luca, if you'd have just <laughs> pulled the lead off, we could have avoided this whole thing. Um, and then we get the kid actually coming in with the paramedics. He fell from uh, the top of a bunk bed uh, or so he says uh, and uh, is... Kind of altered. So we'll check on him in a bit. Yeah.
1: And I just want to say, I thought that this storyline went like an episode or two. Which one? With this kid. The kid? That we'll get to in a second. Yeah. yeah
2: I'm pretty we'll sure. I'm pretty sure. Of course, I've been wrong before, but I'm pretty sure it's self contained.
1: I, 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 I do believe you're right, but I'm saying in this episode, I was like, man, I thought this was a bigger deal.
2: Yeah. That's fair. I don't know.
0: All right. And then uh, Carter and Abby are at the fundraiser. Carter Foundation is throwing ten million dollars of the fifty-eight million dollars that the foundation that the charitable organization is trying to raise. Uh, Gamma meets greets Abby and Carter, and Abby. I mean, excuse me. And Gamma doesn't seem to remember Abby. Doesn't so, seem to remember Abby. I don't know. How I could forget missing.
2: <laughs> doesn't seem to remember Abby. And let's just call you know call us spade a spade here. Like. Is kind of a fucking bitch to Abby. <laughs> like, is kind of like
0: yeah. needlessly dismissive and rude to Abby here. She's not from money, so she, clearly she can't be involved with with a Carter. Mm. So that's so a something. She kind
2: of like well, but she anyway. she does sort of like imply that like there's somebody else that she wishes Carter was here with. Like she she makes some like snide remarks about like. Oh like, you know, is this who you're with this time kind of thing and it's just like I just I'm questioning who it is she expects or would prefer that he be there with. Of all the people that he's been involved with that we've seen over the course of the show, like who is it that she would rather be in this spot than Abby?
0: Like were any of yeah. his
2: were any of his uh, previous entanglements going to pass the uh Gamma Carter smell test? I don't think so.
0: Beats me. But Abby asked what a canopy is and how they're different from appetizers, and I have absolutely no fucking clue. Uh, Gamma wants Carter to come for the election of board members and for him to take place as treasurer, so his dad can take her place as president. You ever? God, there's so much nepotism in the Carter Foundation. <laughs> Carter, nepo baby. Uh, <laughs>
2: I've, I have you ever heard a word and just been like, wow, I'm too poor to understand what that word is? Because for that, that for me, that's canape. Like I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know Isn't
0: it just isn't it just a little app little appetizer? I don't know if it's a net. Na- I, I don't know
2: if it's a noun or a verb. Like it's so very rich as a word. To canapé? It is so very rich as a word that I I canapé that appetizer. I'm not in the tax bracket that you're allowed to know what that word is.
1: I'm just I just have to say I'm shocked we don't have a longer shitty kids list so far this season.
0: I have no I have nothing I know. on May. I post it. In front I know. Me. I can start making it.
1: No, I haven't had one to write down. I say that as we talk about David, the little boy. Um, there, Luca and Carrie are kind of bickering over him a little bit as far as like taking care of him, just because Carrie's still pissed at Luca about what he did. But we come back to him in a minute. Uh, Malik is looking for Pratt because they need to give Jesse potassium, and she's DNR. But Tom can't give direction, and it's a huge fucking thing now because technically she's called. So it's like, what do we do about her? She's listed as dead. And we can't revive her. We can't do any life saving measures. Her husband's upstairs. What the fuck? Nobody's happy about this. Way to go, Luca. Uh, Romano then yells at Carrie about the alderman still being there and not in a private room. So everybody's just having a normal one.
3: Exactly.
0: So are Carter and Abby. So let's listen into an audio clip of them talking about Gamma's request. Here you go.
3: A little rude. Stay out of it.
4: Excuse me if I could have your attention, please. With two hundred fewer seats, much larger rehearsal hall and dressing rooms,
3: world. My grandmother doesn't want me to be the treasurer of the family foundation. She wants me to quit working.
4: She's old. She's probably looking to you to take on some of her love.
3: Embrace my familial responsibilities. Join the family business.
4: Which is what exactly?
3: This. It's this. giving away money. It's cutting ribbons. It's waving to the common man. It's Prince Charles without the castle.
4: I don't know about no castle. I've seen your grandmother's house. Abby,
3: I know that you mean well, but don't try to tell me what to do with my life. It
4: is a great pleasure for me to introduce John Carter.
0: The fucking... Just throw the whole man. Don't (laughs) tell... The whole man into the dumpster. Don't tell me what to do with my
2: life. As I proceed to tell you and everyone around me what to do with theirs. Like, just...
0: Ugh. Ugh. Carter, my dude. Just, that's it. Just Carter, my dude. That that was the other
2: alternate title for this episode. (laughs) And the the alternate longer title was Throw the Whole Man Away. Ugh. Uh, Yeah. What What more can we say? We, we will have plenty more time to shit on Carter before the episode is over. But for now, we go back to uh, David, uh, who is now awake, asking where his dad is. Uh, Jerry gives Luca David's x-rays, and Luca immediately spots some old fractures and uh, calls for DCFS. So, looks like he might have an abuse case on his hands. Uh, and right as he uh, calls for that, uh, Dad shows up and gives the usual excuse of uh you know kid gets hurt all the time he's clumsy you know like it's a pretty pretty textbook case up until this point
1: before you say who the dad is i just have to say i'm upset how long it took me to place where i recognized him from <laughs> with that being said go ahead daniel
2: so i was i was a i was twofold uh shocked here i mean at one i wasn't shocked yeah. cuz i remember that but like the this this dot had yet to be connected for me until pretty much mm-hmm. when i did the notes for this episode. So the dad here is played by actor Joe yep. O'Connor who appears in stuff like Green Hornet. Um, the dot that was never connected for me until just now is that he's the fucking dad on Clarissa explains it all from the 90s yeah. like Nickelodeon show. Holy shit. Like what? <laughs> like that was just so like mind-blowing to me because that was a show i watched a lot of when i was a kid. Uh, uh-huh. it was i was that was right in my age wheelhouse. And I was just like, I'm, I'm eternally fucking disappointed by Melissa Joan Hart as an adult. Like, let me fucking let's start there. Like, yeah, she's just, and she's the worst kind of like nut job too. Like that, she just like tries to maintain that she's, she's got the same fucking disease that uh, uh, Maya Bialik has, where she tries to retain this air of like uh, objectivity, where it's like, well, I'm not, compl- I don't like spout you know, flames out of my eyeballs or anything like that. I'm not completely crazy, but I'm just crazy enough to be and annoying.
0: She's over here and, go- and then she's over here starting in God's Not Dead. Yeah,
2: like she's just, she's just crazy enough to be annoying. And like, that's the thing that annoys me the most. It's just like, e- either go, go all in, or just be nice. You know, just, like, be a joy to to enjoy. Like, be fucking Winnie Cooper from Wonder Years. Like, just be a nice lady that we can all appreciate. Or go full fucking wackadoo crazy. But don't, like, do this, like, half in, half out where it's like, no, it's cool. I'll be on your podcast. I'm fine. You know, but also, like, ah, COVID conspiracy. Like, no, come on. Stop. Just stop it. Just stop.
0: Pick a lane. Um
2: that aside uh joe o'connor here <laughs> uh most importantly shout out to the innocent ladies he uh is probably best known for playing allison breeze dad on madman uh a delightfully messy character uh who gets gets hung up in a boy howdy <laughs> gets hung up with a, a a sex worker of color and then uh tries to like fumble fuck his way out of it like what a what a what a beautiful disaster that character is. I'm also just now realizing how many like Nickelodeon connections there are in Mad Men. It's probably really just this guy and fucking what's her name? Uh 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 was it Allison Mack or Alice Mack whatever whatever the or Alex Anna? Mack, Alex no, Mack. I know what you're... She was she's fucking Ken Cosgrove's wife in that show. Uh Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah. Not Allison no, Mack. No, no. That's
2: I knew there was, I knew that was a real name. I knew that was a real name. Alex Mack, yes. Alex Mack, the uh the girl who melts into like silver liquid. Like the, listen, the 90s were a weird time for children's programming, okay? Uh but yeah. This guy best known for Mad Men. Uh fucked me up so hard to figure that out. We we go from there to uh Susan uh talking to Doug and Adele about uh Doug's mom and the kind of the current situation there. And Adele is asking about what the best living situation for the siblings is. And again, they're trying to kind of coax out of him that he needs to step up here because the other option is the kids going into foster care and presumably getting split up. And uh, but he's, you know, kind of pushing back and says that the kids living with him is probably not the best idea, which, you know, this is a lot to put on what is presumably based on his age here. I'm going to guess he's probably 19 or 20, you know, so like he's not that far removed. Yeah,
0: can't be older than 20 Two or something Yeah, he's like that. not that
2: far removed from being a child himself. So, like, this is a lot to put on a, a kid who probably when he woke up this morning was, you know, baked out of his mind and like was just living, living life and enjoying himself. Because they also, they also sort of make it out like, like they never really like nail down exactly what it is Doug did to get kicked out, other than just being a, you know, either st- they use the word stoner or just that he's like, uh, uh you know fail son he's like the bad kid air quotes so like in my 2003 brain watching this i have to believe that like what they're alluding to is that he just smokes weed which like does that does that make you the world's you know like does that does that make you as a as a 21 22 year old kid make you a little immature and maybe make it so you need to grow up a little bit sure does it make you like unfit as a caregiver for anyone no i don't think so
1: i i I think this was peak this is your brain on drugs time oh, sure. for ads and shit. So. Oh, sure.
2: 100%. Yeah. It was just like, I, it's just funny. It's just very quaint and funny to look back on, especially with how, you know, widespread marijuana legalization has become. Shout out to, you know, state of Minnesota, August 1st, maybe. By the time this episode comes out, Woo. marijuana will be legal in my state. Uh, but it's just so kind of quaint that that's what they're upset about. Uh, but... Pratt barges in on some white knight shit and starts uh, yelling and telling Doug that, you know, the siblings are going to get split up and this is all going to be your fault and you need to step up and yada, 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 whatever. And uh, Doug kind of understandably freaks out a little bit, jumps up and leaves the room and goes to leave. Uh, and I do have to point out here that this is the very, very last time we will see Adele, the social worker. Uh, we uh, we have had her in our lives in one form or another since season three. Uh, and of course, since the end of season seven, she's been in a wheelchair and her appearances have been, uh, much more infrequent, which I'm kind of disappointed by. I feel like that could have been a really cool, like, I-, I like that they kept the continuity going with that, but I just wish they would have liked to, they, they would have used her a little bit more often and fleshed that out just a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is the very last time we will be seeing that character. Um, and I think definitely qualifies as a Bob, like, cause absolutely there's no indication here that this is the that this is going to be the last time we're seeing that character it just is so uh felt it was worth mentioning but then we see uh pratt chasing doug out into the ambulance bay and giving him the the old you need to just step up kid talk uh and at this point doug is not not ready to hear that so he just walks off so we'll, we'll check back in with doug and by extension pratt a little bit later Uh, Carrie, uh, we we see Carrie going up to the the lab, I guess, you know, lab results area. It's really kind of an undefined area of the hospital that we see her in. Uh, But she's asking uh, the person at the desk uh, to grab the sample for her because it was mislabeled and they don't want to wouldn't want any paperwork mishaps. Now, would we? So she replaces the label on the alderman's uh, labs and then signs off on it. So,
0: Carrie, my dude, what are you doing? I want to know what happened. Did she just put, like, a fake name down of a patient or, like... Yeah. Because if, if the person has to get reported to the Department of Public right. Health... Right, there's just
2: some rando running around with a positive, simplest result. Oh, It makes the story even worse. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, like, I... Okay, so, like, the story... Not that we, not that we won't discuss anything about this, because obviously this is the beginning of an arc or whatever, but, like, I just... I I, I see what they're getting at with this story, like, that Carrie's kind of, like, drive for power and and career advancement and all this other stuff has, like, led her to do these, like, sort of desperate things. I still feel like it's a bridge a little too far for my tastes of how far that character would go to... To... And how easily... Right, she doesn't really... She's not really that conflicted about it. And, like... Yeah, she kind of is just. Well, she kind of puts up a little fight at the beginning. She's like, "Well, no, we can't do that." And then he's like, "Please," and she's like, "Well, okay, fine. I guess I'll just risk my entire career to, like, you know, yeah, protect right? your syphilis dick." Like, I just, you know, it, it was it's just <laughs> kind of a. I was a, I was a little disappointed in the writing, quite honestly. I was a little bit disappointed that she doesn't put up more of a moral fight, or or at least show me some conflict. At least show me that she's like. Con- agonizing over this decision or force her into it or something like make it seem like he threatens the hospital's funding and like she she's forced into some sort of like ethical dilemma of like well if i didn't do it he was gonna close down the er or something you know like give me something but like she's just like oh i guess i'll do it uh it's just
0: oh doing the character
2: a disservice in my opinion
0: all right well, it's time to shit on Carter again. So uh, let's listen into our second and final audio clip. Tell you, this is a ho hum episode. This is a ho hum episode, people. Uh, Carter and Abby are leaving the fundraiser.
3: I think Shaw's is open late if you still want to get someone to eat.
4: No, I'm not hungry.
3: Not hungry? Pissed at me. Look, I'm sorry, but I don't think you have any right to lecture me about my family.
4: Was that an apology?
3: I don't know you're an apology. Ticket
4: sir.
3: Look, you want me to end up like my father? At Gamma's Beck and Call handing out checks so that the Art Institute can have another De Kooning, or the Symphony can have taboutine instead of the Why don't you just get involved with in the
4: Foundation and change the priorities? Give the money to healthcare, education, needle exchange, I don't know. Anything you feel passionate about. I feel passionate
3: about. about what I'm doing, okay? I feel passionate about working at County.
4: Who says you can't do both? I do. Okay, look, you were born really, really rich. So what? It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not
3: ashamed of who I am.
4: No? You drive a Jeep, you wear a cheap watch, you rent a two-bedroom apartment. What do you want me to do, drive a BMW? No, I don't care. I couldn't care less, but you care a lot. You want everybody to think that you're just like them and you're not. You just signed a check for $10 million in there. You didn't even blink. I write a check for over $100, I get a stomachache. I
3: give something more important than money. I give my time, and I do it every day to real people, and it makes a difference.
4: And I think that's great. I really, really do. But money makes a difference too. You
3: know where my money comes from? Do you know where the money for the Carter Symphony Hall comes from? My great-grandfather made a killing during the Depression cornering the coal market. In the winter of 1933, a lot of children froze to death. And my family made out like bandits.
4: That was 70 years ago, Carter. You can't give the money back now. Why not help give it to people who really need it? There's still lots of kids freezing to death every winter, Carter. Right in the dumpster, and Abby just threw him
0: in there.
2: Right, like, is it just me, or is is his defense there at the end the most, like, limp dick, like... It's it's that thing from The Simpsons of, like, we haven't... (laughs) we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas like his his, his right? defense is basically just like oh well you know my my family got its money from like really dubious uh nefarious ways and i you know
0: feel badly question mark like it's like i ha- yeah newsflash asshole most old money people got their got their family fortune through nefarious or dubious yeah, and means like and
2: and his apparent solution to that is just like oh i'm gonna continue to sit idly by while it goes to like symphonies and shit and uh i'll work at a hospital like i get like step three profit like i don't know understand like what his like he seems to think that like and i guess that's the whole point it's it's a it's a bit of an arc for him and i like spoilers for aaron's listener response at the end i like the i like the headcanon that this is sort of the little like kernel that becomes the you know the, the tree that that is the the big center thing at the end of the show, but like it's just it's just such a like narrow minded like shitty white dude thing of like well you know i'm I'm doing the best I can by like doing barely anything,
1: yeah, I was just gonna say it's almost like any wealth like this has to be gotten through unethical and exploitative, means. certainly to
2: achieve what? certainly to achieve that. Absurd, which you know, again, by modern standards, would be laughable. the The, the Carter, Wait. The, the Carter family fortune would be quite paltry by uh, by twenty twenty three standards. Uh, but still, like, it's just all all of that. Any money, like like Lizzie said, all old money is tainted to some degree by unethical and just outright barbaric behavior. You know, so like,
1: new money too. Oh well, yeah, new money too. But yep, sorry.
0: But yeah, it's just uh, there is no ethical way to be a billionaire.
1: Absolutely not.
0: The only way to be be an ethical billionaire is by not being a billionaire.
2: There it is. Yep, give give it but away. Yeah, he's he's particularly shitty this episode. I, I I do have to say, like even even for this era of Carter, he is a particularly kind of like like not only self-righteous but like mopey self-righteous about like well you know it's just hard being rich you know like everybody's like looking at you i don't know he's just like shut up dude just just shut up
1: it kind of it harkens back to season one with how upset he was when that magazine went around yeah
2: yeah i don't want people to treat me differently because i have you know millions of dollars because i'm a trust fund baby man
1: Let's cause this is this isn't gonna get any better. We just we just gotta do it. I don't want to we'll talk just about this put story the mail anywhere, in but, this coffin. Uh Carrie goes to check on the alderman and she's like, Oh, you know, if you could go get the car, we're gonna be about ready to discharge him. So the assistant goes and runs off, which means uh Carrie can confirm that she has handled his problem. No one will know. His antibiotics are good, penicillin worked, he shouldn't have any issues. Great. Um and Susan, afterwards, is shocked that his tests were negative. She's like, oh, there's no way. That looked like textbooks. Should we rerun those? Like, we should really go take another one. And Carrie's like, leave it. It's fine.
2: Susan's like, if, there, if there's one thing I know, it's what a syphilis penis looks like. And that was a syphilis penis. God damn it.
1: That's exactly it. And Carrie's like, nope, it's fine. And Susan kind of gives her side eye. But it's like, okay. Uh... And then we hear David's dad screaming about never hurting his son. And we learn Luca called the cops instead of DCFS because DCFS had already left. Which is weird to me because Adele was like right there.
0: I mean, it's been a while since we've had a true Luca white knight moment. But you know what I
1: I mean? Like,
0: right. She was physically like 10 feet away. Like,
1: yeah. So I laughed at that. Um. Carrie Pop- we tried nothing and
0: we're all out of ideas. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Carrie pops in to talk to David and he says, no, you know, dad and I get along great. Um, we get along better since mom left, like they're closer and everything. And Carrie's like, you know, like, did you really, did you really fall? What happened? And we will find out a little bit more about that in a minute.
0: Indeed. Uh, copter copped. What the fuck? <laughs> Car- uh, and Carter stops by McNulty's clinic. Uh, Carter is shocked that McNulty is still taking ancient diabetes drugs. It's like, what the fuck? They still make that? And dude says, uh, don't get your tux dirty on the way out. And Carter attempts to write him a check. And, but the guy has a wonderful clap back for that. Uh, what's this? White liberal guilt? Lots of guilt. I'm not here to make you feel better. And Carter takes up a broom to sweep because he says, Yeah, if you want to help, you can help sweep. Yeah, so <laughs> That's my old man voice. As residents of Chicago,
2: like is this a thing in Chicago where like you can just round a corner and walk into a place and it's just magically the nineteen forties inside? Because like the interior oh. of this clinic is like comical. Like this the interior of this I clinic mean... looks like Those hospital sets you see, like from like the forty, like like an episode of The Twilight Zone, like it looks like an infirmary set
0: from The Twilight Zone, just in color. I, I mean, there's a lot of older buildings in this town, and
1: I think part of it is they're trying to emphasize just how, like, by his shoestrings, this guy is holding this clinic together with spit and tape and dreams. So I think they maybe aged it up another seventy years just to make it go like, oh shit. They are really outdated. The guy's on ancient diabetes medication. Everything looks like it's from the 40s. Like, he's probably scrapped together whatever he can at, like, army wholesale and everything like that around here. I wish everything you walked in and it looked like you time traveled. Some of our buildings you can absolutely go into, and it's insane. Like, the buildings at the school I went to, some of my. Congress Hotel. Congress Hotel, the good stretch of South Michigan where I had classes. Some of those buildings were, like, Art Deco. Peak mm-hmm. era and everything, so like there are some buildings you go in and it's like you've time traveled. To this extent, no, I wish.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was just very, very jarring, but, uh, but we go, go from there back to uh, back to the ER where uh, DCFS is up. DCFS is back, <laughs> despite Lucas saying they were gone for the day. Uh, DCFS is up to have the uh, kids say goodbye to uh, pneumonia mom. Uh, and Doug comes back says he doesn't want to let his siblings down and this is where him and Pratt have the old attaboy talk and he's like you just do the best you can and that will be
0: enough which you know he just came back and just announced Jesse Pinkman in the house <laughs> keep
2: keep trying to make that a thing uh, Pratt uh, then goes off and uh, apologizes to Susan for his you know behavior earlier in the talk with Adele and uh, Susan's like oh I'm an adult I can handle you know i can handle a little bit of backtalk she's like but you should worry about those two kids uh and then pratt gets another call presumably about leon and so he needs to leave uh and carrie throws a huge fit because of this uh not happy that pratt is uh, leaving early once again uh and this is where we get the revelation that david has uh, hurt him has been hurting himself so that he could spend more time with his dad which is uh Okay. Like I you know. Sure. Yeah, one of those it's one of those like storyline twists that it's like I see what you were maybe trying to get at here but this is a little I I don't think this child exists. Like I I don't think this scenario exists. I just I just don't. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. Uh, we have a contractually obligated uh, Lizzie sighting. Oh shit. This sucks.
2: Like, this is so... Blink and you miss it. This is so fucking shitty. Like, when you say contractually obligated, I literally think they were just trying to fill a quota with this. They were like, we have to have her on screen for at least a certain amount of time because it's in her contract, but like, holy shit. I hope she got paid for a full day's work for that because she had to come in presumably get into makeup and wardrobe and all this yeah. other shit just for them to bring her on screen to say one line and then leave. I felt so
0: bad for her. Like just give her the week off like Chen. Don't make her come in just for that. Uh Luca sitting with Jesse tells her that Tom is going to be okay and has surgery and that she can let go now. Oh, Luca I don't know what I'm just This episode is so boring and Maybe not boring is the wrongs word, but just so uninteresting.
1: Yeah i i can't i can't give a single fuck. Um, oh, and then just this this whole episode we'll get there. Um, but then Susan and Carrie are talking about Pratt, and Susan's also just like God. I'm so tired. I just want to go and get in bed. What do you think the odds are that Antonio Banderas will be there waiting for me? Which I absolutely adored. Great, great little moment. Love me some thirsty Susan. And uh, she then, oh no, reaches into her locker and pulls out a cute little like newborn present because she couldn't help herself. She was at the store and all the little onesies and everything just speak to her and she had to get something. And, you know, Carrie, matter of factly, you know, obviously a little mm. bit broken hearted, tells her what happened. And Susan is horrified because she feels like an absolute dick.
4: Mm.
2: Awful. Big oof, large right oof. there. Big, Su- big. Speaking of large oof. oofs, uh, Leon, uh, we go to uh, we we close out the episode with certainly a scene. Uh, Pratt in the police, going to the police station to pick up Leon or, or to to find out what happened. Lee, I guess he's not picking him up here, but uh, we find out Leon was with Dookie and the guys, which sounds like the worst doo wop band I've ever heard of uh telling them about the job that he got when the police showed up uh you know Pratt has to break the news to him that he probably lost the job he received this morning because he no-showed his first shift and Leon is devastated and you know is yelling at you know as Pratt goes to leave and I just would love love for this storyline to just die in a hole deep underground like this this storyline has gone to like Cynthia Hooper levels of like makes my skin crawl, and I just want it to end.
0: Oof, but don't you it. love the thrilling tale of someone with head trauma being constantly taken advantage of by people? That doesn't make that doesn't like make you have like want to tune in on a Thursday night. No, it's must see TV, uh, Daniel. That's what this again, all this is. And again,
2: in in. Th- theory and on paper I again I see what the I see in big picture what they were going for with this and I wish desperately that and I hate to say it because I've seen this actor in other things and I like and it's not it's, I don't think it's necessarily that he's a bad actor I just think he's poorly cast in this no. role like I think I, I think he's mismatched for this role and I don't think he's able to give the emotional depth to the character that I think it deserves and as a result, he just comes off he just comes off like a really annoying parrot. Like all he does all the time whenever he's on screen is talk really loudly and say G over and over again. Like that is his entire like substance as a character. And I'm not saying that as like a knock on like the the like idea of the character, because again, I think I think there could have been something really profound and really interesting yeah, in like- the story.
1: Like think about it. If we had had, like Patrick in this
2: role. Yeah, like there was something like that. And, we had, and even Patrick at least had some endearingness right. to him that made you care about him and made you want to learn more about his backstory and He
1: was eh. he was more than just the disability.
2: Yeah, this this is such a like and it's not like I want it's not it's not that I want them to do like Oh, you know, he's like a, a savant or like he has these like magic powers or anything like like I don't 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 do Rain Man. But like I just just give me some sort of nuance or something to really latch onto and care about with this character and, and learn more about, you know, his whole backstory was summed up in a single sentence to Carter. Like he basically goes like, oh, yeah, some bad shit happened to him. And now he lives with me. The end like that was the whole, you know crux of the the storyline there so it's just and i, th- I just feel like it was a, a particularly odd choice to end the episode here but i don't know that doing it with the carrie and susan scene would have been any better because that's a really big bummer to end the, the episode on like that's a huge yeah there's not awkward there's not really
1: a great one
2: yeah so it's just um like like we we've been talking about this episode in the group chat all week um and like if this episode were coming on the heels of like a couple of really all-time great bangers, if this if this episode was third in line after you know Orion in the sky and on the beach, I'd be like, yeah, this episode fucking blows. <laughs> like this episode sucks. But it just so happens that it's coming on the heels of a couple of kind of lukewarm, milk toast, below-average episodes, and, it,
1: and it's a breath of fresh air. And
2: to me, it was it was a breath of fresh air. I was like, okay, th- is this perfect? Absolutely not. But I found it to be much more palatable. I mean, we didn't have, you know... It, it It was not an episode that was rooted inherently in exploitation of trauma, if that makes sense. Like, right. like it was not an episode that was about, like, wow, look at this, like, w- you know, wacky pedophile. Like, I really hate this guy. Jesus. Like, and it wasn't like, oh, let's just, like, mo- let's just, you know, sit here and wallow in the plight of a trans child for 45 minutes. Like, there was... There was at least none of that. We didn't we weren't doing just trauma porn the ride for 45 minutes. We were at least back to a little bit more of the formulaic. Sometimes being formulaic isn't a bad thing. Like sometimes it's good to get back to the formula of like no, there's this patient going on over here and this patient going on over here and this like it was more of what we're used to. Um and it's just that you know right now a lot of the storylines just aren't really really hitting, you know, a lot of the, and and I think, you know, I think you would find that if the storylines were better constructed and, and hitting better, the formula of this episode, like, the the, the, the studs of this episode are not bad. Like, there's like right. there's a good framework of an episode here. It's just the stuff that you've put, the drywall you put up is a little bit lackluster and is not really hitting the way that it could. So, f- you know, I still think it falls into that 6-7 category. I still think, yeah. but I, but I still think it's, like, way better than what we've gotten in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it's a step in the right direction. I, th- I think one of the,
0: I think one of the worst things about a piece of media you can say is I don't care.
2: Hmm.
0: And I just don't care. I like I, I definitely don't care about most the, of the stuff that's been happening this mid season. I just don't I, care. I definitely
2: don't care about the Leon storyline. I'm ready for that to go. I, I, it's not that I don't care about the Carrie Alderman storyline. I just, Find it a little bit hard to like wrap my arms around it. Of from like the stuff we were talking about earlier, like I just feel like it's underbaked yeah. and they don't justify. They don't. They don't give enough.
0: Yeah, it's so against her character. It's, it's very against that her I just character. don't. That I just don't pay attention because I just don't care.
2: Yeah. So you know, and, and then the again the the Carter and Abby stuff, like that's just frustrating to watch because like mm-hmm. it's it, it is nailed It has that nails on a chalkboard quality to me of just like they've. They're they're just such a, a poorly matched romantic pairing, and and they seem to know it. Like the the, the mm-hmm. characters seem to know it, but like there's just no like yeah. I don't know. Like
1: early early in the episode when they're talking about going to the fundraiser or whatever, and Carter's like, yeah, I know this sucks. We can do something you want next time, and she's like, oh, you mean like go bowling? Like my people like to do. Hmm. Like what the
0: hell? Yeah not great. Everyone sucks. 6 out of 10. Beautiful. <laughs> from me. Uh Lauren, what the listeners have to say about it?
1: Oh, thank you guys for keeping it short and sweet this week because it's like you knew I was having a week from hell. So with that being said, Jen T says, "Can we talk about how Abby paints her face and dresses pretty for Carter but gives zero shits in front of Luca because Luca doesn't care one bit about her being gorgeous, but Carter does?" Uh, I'm gonna editorialize here for a second, Jen, and say, of course, she dresses up because it's for a fucking symphony fundraiser. So and, sorry, and, just throwing and, that and, one out and there. I'm right.
2: gonna I'm gonna editorialize your editorializing because you uh you Man- Mandela affected looking gorgeous to being gorgeous, which it's one is clothing and the other one is physical appearance. So she she's looking gorgeous because it's it's fundraiser time.
1: Yeah, um and. Also, Gamma is looking down on her, isn't endearing or cute. Gamma is an elitist asshole. Don't think anybody said it was cute. Uh, <laughs> Abby's joke about the canapes would have been hilarious to anyone but Carter. He's such a complete douche here. John Carter does not get to tell Abby Lockhart that she does not know what is happening. And I so weird saying last but certainly not least when there's only two. But last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad says, Ah! The aldermen! We're finally here to one of my least favorite arcs of the show, where Carrie finally ascends to the top of county's food chain. But at what cost? As it stands now, she's let a morally compromised alderman leave county with treated syphilis, but with no medical record or alert to the health department. Which, of course, Carrie knows from previous seasons is wrong. Remember Carol's HPV teens? but justifies it by the idea that her act of discretion could be for County's greater good. But then, of course, she turns right around and gives Luca an ethical hand-wringing over faking a patient's death to save a husband's life. Just not good, Cotton. Not even the poignant moment between Susan and Carrie in the locker room can wash that this away. I also would like to believe that the seed for the Joshua Carter Center was planted in this episode with Abby's speech to him, about using his money to do some good. We finally get the story of origin, of Carter's family fortune, and why he's so ashamed to claim it, but Abby's got a point. Of course, we get there with some absolute repugnant boyfriend behavior from Carter along the way. Are we surprised, though? As an aside, as we get closer to, you know, I'm cherishing these moments we have with Gamma, who looks gorgeous at the gala. Then there's the Pratt and Leon storyline that continues to linger like the alderman's untreated syphilis sore. <laughs> it's tough to see this. Yeesh. It's tough to see the pain this is causing Pratt and the damage to his professional life. But I think we've all had that friend or family member we've tried to help, even at the risk of hurting ourselves. But none are as whiny and annoying as Leon. Come on, gee... Finally, Aaron Paul really doesn't age, huh? He literally looks like he took a break from cooking with Walt to help out his siblings. I want to say this was probably only two or three years before they started Breaking Bad, so Mm -hmm. not like terribly jarring compared to how he looks at the end of Breaking Bad, but I agree, Aaron. Um, This story obviously reinforces Pratt's character trait of familial loyalty and is well played by Paul and the actress who plays the mom. Oh, and did you see Elizabeth? We're in the blink-and-you'll-miss-her phase of her ER career, which really is a shame.
0: Truly, truly is. Well, that's about to wrap up our episode for today, though. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. As mentioned earlier, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast, where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. And over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A free four-monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. Oppenheimer, maybe? I don't know. And character retrospectives, where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are not on X, don't ask. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash and Tone Podcast. And we are at Silent Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official and Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Workbooks. On U you
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial.
0: And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Folks can find me on Instagram and Threads at lobo nine two three four five. Stop trying to make threads happen. Um, but also, I'm trying to get sponsored by Liquid Death because their sparkling water is so good, and I'm a great climbing personality. So everybody, go follow me on there so I can get free Liquid Death sparkling water. Please. And Gotta thank
0: find you. out if they do uh, podcast sponsorships.
1: I don't um, I don't think so I don't think they're actually corporate tools enough to do that but guys I'm gonna try all 386 followers y'all need to tell them give me money
0: <laughs> not even money just give me free product because yeah, their product is great just give
1: me free sparkling water please yes I'm white
0: uh, you, can, you can find me on the site formerly known as Twitter I am at randomgamer that's J-A-M-3-R uh, I'm also just waiting for my blue sky invite at this point that's literally all I'm doing I uh, can. Thanks again, everyone. Very much li- <sighs> and thanks again, everyone. Very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.